Good evening, my dear friends and curious souls. Welcome to Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast. My name, you may wonder? Just think of me as your old grandpa, spinning tales from a time long gone, and some from not-so-distant past. In my younger days, my grandkids would crowd around me, their eyes wide in anticipation or fear, eager for the evening's gruesome tales. Now I extend this tradition, this gift, to you. So, pull up a chair, stoke that fireside, and let the shadows dance on every corner of the room. Let's journey together into the heart of darkness, where we unmask the unseen, discover forbidden secrets, and unburden the forgotten tales of the past. So dim the lights, my friends, and let's delve into the mysteries that emerge only after dark on our wonderful, unnerving journey. Nestled on Galena Drive stands a house that is my weekend retreat, distinct from the humble apartment I share with my mother. The apartment's modest size offers a sense of security that is absent in the larger, more imposing space of my stepfather's house. This house, now 37 years old, harbors an aura of the past, a whisper of generations, and perhaps secrets beyond our understanding. The tale begins with a recent series of peculiar events that have left me apprehensive about the once familiar corners of this home. It started subtly enough, with an unease that crept over me whenever I found myself engulfed in darkness. It was as if the shadows themselves were alive, watching and waiting. One evening, as I ascended the staircase to my room, the sound of the toilet flushing halted my steps. The bathroom door, broken and unable to close, seemed to beckon me. I called out, announcing my approach, only to be met with silence and the stark realization that I was alone. The empty bathroom stood there mockingly as a shiver ran down my spine. The family room became the stage for another unexplained incident. I sat there one evening, the glow of the television casting flickering shadows on the walls. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed the neighboring computer room's door creak open slightly. My mind immediately attributed this to my four feline companions, yet upon inspection, they were all accounted for upstairs, leaving no explanation for the door's movement. That same night, after switching off the television, it sprang to life again without human intervention. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end as I grappled with the reality that inanimate objects seemed to be defying the natural order of things. The cats themselves began to behave oddly, fixating on the staircase with intense stares, as if they could see something or someone invisible to my eyes. Their strange behavior only added to the growing unease within me. To add to the litany of bizarre occurrences, today the light in the master bedroom flickered sporadically, as if it were communicating in some cryptic code. This phenomenon was not isolated. Some time ago, my own bedroom light extinguished itself without any discernible cause. All these events are woven into the fabric of this single house on Galena Drive. The question that plagues my mind is whether these happenings point to something supernatural. Is this place haunted? Or is it merely a trick of my imagination? A mind playing cruel games with reality? My name is Brittany Kerrigan. At the tender age of 12, I found myself ensnared in a series of eerie occurrences that have since left an indelible mark upon my memory. These events unfolded in Alberta, 
Within the confines of a third-floor apartment which I once called home, alongside my dear mother, our story begins amidst the tranquil hum of an early morning. My canine companion, a loyal sentinel in our modest abode, shattered the silence with a sudden uproar of barking. The cause eluded me. It seemed to be an outburst without any provocation. As I pondered his unusual behavior, I caught sight of my bedside lamp. It was no longer a steadfast beacon in the dim room, but instead began to flicker with a will of its own, as though it were attempting to communicate some dire warning through its sporadic bursts of light. Roughly a week had elapsed since that peculiar morning when another incident occurred. My mother and her friend had descended to scrutinize a van that caught their interest, leaving me in the solitude of our apartment. The television played before me, its images and sounds a faint distraction from my unease. In the midst of this, the lamp's light extinguished suddenly, plunging me into darkness. Fear took hold, compelling me to seek refuge with my mother downstairs. A serene period ensued for the duration of a month, during which the memories of these unsettling events began to fade into the background of my daily life. However, as twilight approached one evening around 9.30 p.m., the strange occurrences resurfaced. I was preparing for bed, adjusting my pillows for the night's slumber, when something in the periphery caught my attention. A tall black silhouette stood ominously in the hallway. My heart raced as I snapped my gaze towards it, only to find nothing there. No figure, no shadow, just the emptiness of the hallway. I confided these experiences to my mother. In her wisdom and concern, she brought my stepfather to spend a night with us perhaps in hopes that his presence would act as a deterrent to whatever was causing this disturbance. Following his stay, the intensity of these mysterious happenings seemed to diminish. Time has since carried me away from that apartment and into a house situated across town. Yet the apartment still casts a long shadow over me. Even now, I am gripped by trepidation at the mere thought of passing by our old residence. Adding to my discomfort is the knowledge that one of my friends resides on the second floor of that very building, unknowingly living just beneath the space where my own unsettling story unfolded. Nestled 20 miles outside the quaint town of Mauston, Wisconsin, lies an old family farm that has been a cornerstone of our heritage for generations. Every Sunday, as if by tradition, my family would make the journey to bask in the rustic charm and explore the majestic bluffs that seemed to cradle the farm in a protective embrace. Constructed in the early 1900s by my great-great-grandparents, the farmhouse stood as a testament to time, its walls echoing with the tales of yesteryears. Today, the farm is tended by my great-aunt and uncle, who have preserved not only the land, but also the spirit of our ancestors within its bounds. On one particular visit that remains etched in my memory, an ordinary evening turned into an encounter that I would carry with me for a lifetime. The dinner hour was approaching, and I was in the bathroom washing up, a room that was once a pantry before being converted to its current purpose. As I turned the faucet off, something in the reflection of the mirror caught my attention. The figure of a man dressed in overalls and engrossed in writing within a leather-bound journal stood where no man should have been. His features were striking, a pair of bright blue eyes complemented by dark brown hair. Yet, it was his leg that drew my gaze next. It was contorted in an unusual manner, suggesting a past injury or deformity. 
Upon realizing my presence, he let out a robust, heartfelt laugh that seemed to resonate through the room. In an act as astonishing as his sudden appearance, he pulled the bathtub's plug and spiraled down the drain before my very eyes. At eight years old, fear gripped me tightly, and I bolted from the bathroom, desperate to share this bewildering experience with my mother and great-aunt. Gathered around the kitchen table, my breathless account brought a knowing look to my great-aunt's face. Well, that sounds like Thomas, she mused with a hint of nostalgia. Thomas, or Uncle Tom as he was affectionately known, was a relative I had never met. He passed away just before I came into this world. Despite his absence in life, his story was very much present. He was a man who lived with a disability and whose last breath was drawn within these very walls. My mother's soothing words attempted to dispel my alarm, assuring me that if any spectral presence resided within our family home, it would be one of benevolence. The farm, after all, was constructed on a foundation of love, each nail driven and bored placed with devotion, a sentiment powerful enough to transcend even the divide between life and death. As years passed and I grew older, I often reflected upon that encounter in the bathroom-turned-pantry. The farm continued to be a place of solace and memory, each visit unearthing more layers of our family's legacy. The image of Uncle Tom, with his warm eyes and twisted leg, became less of a specter from a ghost story and more of an emblem, a reminder of the rich history that runs as deep as the roots of the trees surrounding our treasured farm. In the perpetual chill of my room, the consistent hum of the high-speed fan blends with the quiet of the night. My bed, positioned dangerously close to the attic entrance, becomes a nightly haven for the frosty air. Despite this self-imposed wintry atmosphere, my mornings defy logic. They begin with an inexplicable warmth, a sensation akin to breath cascading over my face. Whether I find myself on my back or curled to one side, the heat seems to trace me, a ghostly presence breathing down my neck. This phenomenon isn't confined to the mornings, however. The moment I step into my room, I am greeted by the same unsettling warmth on my neck, a stark contrast to the coolness that otherwise envelops me. My life at home is largely mundane, punctuated by moments that demand an explanation. There was a particular incident while I was engrossed in crafting a report on my computer. The familiar click-clack of the keyboard under my fingers was the only sound until I decided to retrieve a glue bottle from my mother's scrapbooking supplies. It was in this ordinary moment that the extraordinary pierced through. My name was whispered, carried to my ears in a breathy, hushed tone, followed by the now familiar sensation of breath on my skin. For the first time, it wasn't just a feeling, it was audible. I spun around instinctively only to be met with emptiness. The house was as still as ever. My mother was outside, occupied with feeding seagulls, my father and brother away indulging in their golfing pastime. I've been known to occasionally hear things that aren't there, but this was different. It was tangible, real enough to convince me that it wasn't a product of my imagination. Our house, a structure with foundations laid by the sea, has a history drenched in emotion. The original owner erected this dwelling as a testament to his life, only to have it witness the dissolution of his marriage within a year. Their departure was our arrival, 
We took possession of the house post-divorce and made it our own. I had always believed that new houses were immune to hauntings, that ghosts preferred the ancient and decaying, but our residence has challenged that belief. Initially, the hauntings were subtle, nothing more than a fleeting chill or an unexplained noise. However, as time stretched on, their intensity grew. With each passing week, the manifestations became more pronounced, though they have yet to cross into the realm of malevolence. At times, I've entertained the notion that our home might be built atop some forgotten graveyard, the whispers of past lives eternally embedded in the soil. This theory remains just that, a theory, as I have yet to uncover any concrete evidence. What intrigues me most is the untold story of the previous inhabitants, the original owner and his wife, whose lives unraveled within these walls. They left separately, carrying their narrative with them, leaving me with no way to inquire about their experiences here. Perhaps they too felt the presence of these shy specters. Perhaps it was these unseen forces that pushed them away from their seaside creation. Once nestled in the memories of a friendship that defied odds and transcended boundaries, there lived a man who became a beacon of resilience and hope. His story, recounted by a cherished friend, unfolds here, painting a picture of life's unyielding spirit in the face of adversity. This man, whom I was privileged to call my friend, navigated the world from the confines of a wheelchair, following a harrowing encounter with a train in his youth. The crash had claimed his legs, severing them at the hips, and with each passing year, doctors grimly foretold that he had merely six months to live. Yet he proved to be a master illusionist of fate, outliving their predictions by over three decades. His approach to life was nothing short of extraordinary. He embraced each day with a vigor that made the ordinary seem remarkable. Misfortune never dampened his spirits. Instead, he crafted a world rich in joy and fulfillment. However, as the years advanced, so did his health issues. Complications arose, and he found himself ensnared within the sterile walls of hospitals, a place he grew to despise. During these spells of hospitalization, my visits seemed to be a ray of sunlight piercing through the gloom of his confinement. The presence of close friends acted as a tonic, lifting his spirits even if just for a moment. As his condition deteriorated, he confided to his wife, a woman of immense strength and compassion, his wish to draw his last breath not amid the beeping machines, but within the sanctuary of their home. She acquiesced to his request, though her heart trembled at the impending reality she was about to face. Upon returning home, something profound began to occur. He would often be seen engaged in conversations with invisible presences. When questioned, he would reveal that he was in discourse with deceased relatives, his mother, aunts, uncles, all who had departed the mortal world before him. They had come, he said, to assist him in his final journey. His wife initially dismissed these encounters as hallucinations born from illness or medication. Yet he remained adamant that it was truly his kin he communed with, and seemed convinced that she too could witness their spectral assembly. Intrigued and perhaps seeking solace in the possibility of this otherworldly visitation, she embarked on a quest to capture these moments through the lens of her camera. The photographs she took were nothing short of miraculous. Ethereal orbs, mysterious mists, and luminous streaks adorned the images, phenomena that defied logical explanation. 
The room had been meticulously sanitized to shield him from infection, ruling out mundane explanations such as dust particles. It appeared that indeed his loved ones had come to guide him along the path back home. After my friend's passing, I was engulfed by an immense tide of guilt for not having seized every opportunity to be by his side during his healthier days. However, in a tender gesture of consolation, his wife approached me with words that eased my soul. She conveyed a message from beyond. My friend had reached out to her, soothing my remorse with assurances that our bonds were unbreakable by death, and that in some distant tomorrow, we would reunite and partake in all the adventures we had once dreamt of. This tale is an ode to an indomitable spirit who taught us about the beauty of life and the serenity of death. It is a narrative that sings of love, friendship, and the mysterious threads that weave our existence together, both seen and unseen. In the silence of my room, where the shadows dance with the faint light peeking through the curtains, a palpable tension often grips the air, an inexplicable unease that defies the calm I so desire. This room, my supposed haven, is where I frequently encounter the inexplicable, where the ordinary meets the extraordinary, and reality seems to blur with the otherworldly. These occurrences are not bound by time nor by reason. They strike when least expected, at any moment, on any given day. The most mundane activities are often interrupted by a chilling sensation, a fleeting vision in the periphery of my sight. It's as if something, or someone, is lurking just beyond my field of vision, manifesting as nothing more than a wisp of shadow or a distorted figure. One incident remains vivid in my mind, seared into my memory as if by a branding iron. It was on one of those typical evenings when I ventured into my room. The darkness felt denser than usual, like a thick veil that refused to be pierced by the meager light from the hallway. As I moved to switch on the lamp out of the corner of my eye, I spotted what appeared to be a woman. Her hair was long and black, cascading over a white robe that seemed to float above the floor. The image was fleeting, but it bore an eerie resemblance to a figure from a horror film, perhaps akin to the ghostly apparition known as the Grudge. I froze, heart pounding in my chest, the blood in my veins turning to ice. The fear that gripped me then was not of this world. It was primal, raw, and as ancient as the darkness itself. With every shadow that flickered or creaked that echoed in the stillness, I felt a presence, an evil presence, that seemed to watch me with malevolent intent. This sinister force played tricks on my mind, making me question whether it was merely a figment of my imagination or something far more sinister. On nights when the darkness seemed alive, reaching out with cold fingers, I would feel something behind me. A presence so intense that it felt like a tangible force pressing on my back, radiating an evil energy that no light could dispel. In those moments, I would turn to prayer, calling upon a higher power to cast a protective shield over my home, to ward off the darkness that threatened to consume it. Miraculously, or perhaps due to the strength of belief, the ominous feeling would dissipate. A sense of peace would replace the dread, and I would breathe a sigh of relief, believing that the worst was over. But such reprieve was fleeting. Within days, the malevolent force would return with renewed vigor, as if angered by my attempts to banish it. 
It was as though it sought revenge for being momentarily thwarted. The spirit's persistence forced me into an uneasy coexistence. I decided to live with it, to accept its sporadic appearances and unsettling vibe as part of my life. It wasn't an easy decision, but one made out of necessity. I learned to brace myself for its manifestations and to find strength in resilience. Sharing this experience isn't just about recounting a personal tale of haunting. It's an open invitation to others who might be facing similar eerie encounters. You're not alone in your struggle with the unexplained. If you felt that same chill down your spine or seen things you can't quite explain, know that I understand what you're going through. If you ever feel compelled to reach out for advice or simply to share your story, don't hesitate. I've become somewhat of an inadvertent expert on living with these strange occurrences and am more than willing to lend an ear or offer words of support. Together, we can stand strong against the shadows that seek to unsettle us. So there you have it, a glimpse into the strange happenings that pervade my room and my life. Perhaps in sharing this story we can find solace in knowing that sometimes the things we fear most are not as powerful when brought into the light. As the sun dipped below the horizon on a typical day in California, casting a warm glow over the newly constructed neighborhood, I found myself reflecting on the decision I had made to babysit Sarah's three younger sisters. Sarah, a close friend of mine with a large family of seven, was caught up in the excitement of her eldest sister's high school graduation. Her mother, knowing the importance of this event for the whole family, had reached out to me to care for Rachel, Sammy, and Paula while they attended the ceremony. I had eagerly agreed, unaware of the chilling experience that awaited me. It was two summers ago when this strange occurrence imprinted itself in my memory, still vivid and unsettling. On that day, I arrived at their starkly modern house, exchanged goodbyes with Sarah's family, and offered my best wishes to Anna for her graduation. The house was quiet except for the laughter and chatter of the children. It felt like any other babysitting gig. The night began uneventfully. We played games, read stories, and everything seemed perfectly normal until hunger pangs struck the girls around 8 o'clock. Rachel, the eldest at 8 years old, led the way to the kitchen with her younger siblings in tow. However, an unexpected reluctance from Rachel halted our progress as she stood frozen before the pantry door, refusing to open it. Her behavior was uncharacteristic. She was usually fearless and decisive. This deviation from her normal self put me on edge, but I dismissed it as a child's fleeting fear. After resolving their hunger with some quick snacks from the kitchen, I decided it was time to wind down for the evening. We settled on the couch with Stuart Little playing on the television, an attempt to bring some normalcy after the pantry incident. I positioned myself in the middle, with Rachel on one side and Paula and Sammy on the other, ensuring all were within my sight. Time passed and an eerie chill began to permeate the air. It was an unusual sensation for a May evening in California, a cold that felt more sinister than natural, especially without an air conditioner in sight. The temperature dropped so severely that I contemplated borrowing one of Sarah's sweatshirts to ward off the discomfort. But as I stood up and announced my intention to retrieve it from Sarah's room, the door slammed shut with such force that it left me frozen in place. I decided then to brave the cold rather than confront whatever force had just made itself known. 
Returning to my seat on the couch, a sense of dread washed over me. The children seemed oblivious to the chilling change in atmosphere. It was then that I witnessed something utterly inexplicable. A figure in a crisp white gown darted from the hallway into the computer room. The sight of golden hair and a tall stature without visible feet suggested it could be floating rather than running. An instinct told me it was a young man, though his face remained turned away from me. The children hadn't noticed anything amiss. They remained absorbed in the movie as if nothing had happened. My mind raced with questions and fear, but I chose not to alarm them with tales of what I might have seen. Weeks passed before I mustered the courage to share my experience with Sarah and Anna. Sarah's reaction was one of shock. She had encountered the same figure just days before my own sighting. Her confession sent shivers down my spine as she described how she had shrugged off her encounter. Sarah's parents had their unexplained experiences too. Shrill cries echoing down the hallways and doors that would unlock and swing open without human intervention. It seemed that Sarah and I weren't alone in our experiences within that house. The question lingered. Why had only Sarah and I seen this apparition? Were we more attuned because we were of similar age? Or perhaps there was a deeper connection with this spirit, if that's what it was, that had once lived where our new neighborhood now stood? And why did it appear so solidly real when I expected ghosts to be transparent? As I recount this tale for you now, any insights or thoughts you might have on this mysterious encounter are welcomed and deeply appreciated. It's been a good while since I've shared anything on this platform. And truth be told, my life has been uneventful of late. That is until recent days brought a peculiar series of events. Rewinding a bit, there's a backstory that unfolded at school prior to the main incident. It started with a restless night, one where the eerie symphony of clanging pipes provided an unsolicited soundtrack to my would-be slumber. The following morning, I dragged my sleep-deprived self to school the world around me taking on a surreal quality. Everything felt dreamlike, distant. Throughout the school day, I was in a battle against my own eyelids, succumbing to brief lapses into sleep despite the risk of attracting unwanted attention. My struggle was not entirely successful. At one point, a teacher's reprimand cut through the haze, jolting me back to semi-alertness. Despite this, the fog of fatigue never lifted, and reality continued to seem oddly distorted. As the day wore on and the final classes dragged by, I finally found respite in a secluded corner where I could surrender to exhaustion unnoticed. In that half-sleep state, I glimpsed a figure ambling around the room's periphery. He was wearing an outfit unmistakably similar to one I'd seen on Jerry, a person whose presence in my life had always been somewhat enigmatic. However fleeting the sight, it was gone as quickly as it appeared, and I saw no more of Jerry, or whoever it might have been, for the rest of the day. Then today happened. A sharp ring cut through the silence of my room. It was the phone demanding attention, but my body was heavy with fatigue, and I could barely muster the strength to consider answering. Even as my eyes squinted at the caller ID, the numbers swam in a blurry dance, defying recognition. Nevertheless, it was apparent that the caller was unfamiliar to me. The answering machine, the one with its peculiarly mechanical voice, promptly took over, filling the room with its standard greeting. But this time, as the machine spoke its piece, 
another voice overlapped it, a man's voice. The words were indistinct, muffled as though from a great distance or through thick fabric. My mind struggled to process the auditory intrusion. After the answering machine's beep signaled an invitation to leave a message, the disembodied voice continued. The only phrase that broke through the haze was tinged with urgency. Why won't you see me? Of course you're there, don't ignore me. The absurdity struck me. Perhaps it was a misdialed number and someone else's drama spilling into my quiet morning. I mustered a laugh at the thought. Curiosity peaked. I waited until the caller hung up and checked the caller ID once more for some clue as to who might have been on the other end of the line. What greeted me was an impossibility. A number that wasn't a number. 6666. No area code, no additional digits. Just those three infamous numerals staring back at me from the display. What compounded the mystery was that immediately afterward, there was no trace of the call, no record in the call history, no message left behind. It was as if it had never occurred. This wasn't my first encounter with such bizarre phone phenomena. Another time, a call came through displaying only the digit nine. And like before, Jerry's name flickered in my mind. He had been connected to strange occurrences in my past. Yet again, he seemed a plausible architect behind these cryptic communications. Was it really Jerry reaching out from beyond the usual channels? Or was my mind simply playing tricks on me, conjuring phantoms from my exhaustion? Jerry hadn't been around for some time, and this deviation from the norm had left me unsettled and seeking answers. I'll preface my tale with a simple confession. The realm of spirits is one I seldom consider. My feet are planted firmly in the world of the living, and I've yet to stray far from the path of the ordinary. This is not to dismiss those who hold such beliefs. My experiences are my own, and truth wears many faces. The narrative unfolds in the heart of spring, nestled within the confines of my Sunman residence. A precise timeline eludes me, as the events that I recount were not confined to a single moment, but rather stretched over the course of a week. The genesis was an ordinary Friday, though what transpired was anything but. As dusk gave way to nightfall, my family and I found ourselves gathered around an Ouija board, a conduit to the beyond, or so some believe. Our fingers lightly grazed the planchette as it skated across the board, connecting us with a spirit claiming to be a young boy. His words, conveyed through the letters on the board, painted a harrowing picture. He had met his untimely demise within the very walls that sheltered us and was subsequently cast into the well that lay in our backyard, a precautionary measure taken by his own kin. Curiosity, a trait as stubborn as it is daring, seized me, compelling me to venture out into the shroud of night. My gaze plunged into the well's depths, only to find it sealed and shallow. A thorough inspection of the surroundings yielded nothing of note, so I retreated indoors to inform my companions, my mother, siblings, their friends, and two boys named Jacob and Ryan, that my search was fruitless. Yet, as days trickled by, a sense of unease began to claw at my nights. Sleep eluded me. An invisible force seemed intent on keeping me in the realm of wakefulness. And just as slumber was within reach, an inexplicable strike would jolt me into consciousness. These nocturnal disturbances were not confined to phantom touches. The bathroom mirror, 
once a mundane fixture, transformed into a portal of dread. My reflection was usurped by an entity with ravaged skin and hollow sockets where eyes should have been. Fear clung to me, silencing my cries for help. I couldn't bear the thought of disbelief or ridicule. This silent torment continued until one morning brought an unexpected confrontation. My mother summoned us with an urgency that was palpable. As we descended the stairs, her tear-stained cheeks spoke volumes before words could even form. This isn't a game, she implored, her voice trembling with emotion. The disturbances at night, that ghastly visage in the mirror, cryptic messages left in our home, it has to stop. With those words, she presented us with a chilling exhibit. A piece of paper lay sprawled on the table, adorned with photographs of each of us. Photos that were meant to be secured within my sister's lockbox, and scrawled upon it was a macabre invitation penned in what appeared to be blood. Come find me, or die. The picture's usual resting place was known to me. They belonged in my sister's lockbox, a container which had long since been sealed due to a misplaced key. Upon inspection, it remained locked, its contents seemingly untouched. A thorough examination followed as my mother meticulously checked each of us for wounds or any other potential source of the sanguine script, yet there was none to be found. In the aftermath of this unsettling revelation, the presence of the boy, our unseen guest from the depths of the well, faded into silence. I share this account with an understanding that skepticism may color your perception, as it often colors mine. Yet these words are not born from fiction. They are fragments of my reality. Well, my dear friends, we've reached the end of yet another winding path. As the evening knits the night, drawing its comforting darkness around us, we must part ways. For now, you've traveled with me through unsettling alleyways of thought, and I hope our journey together has both enthralled and enchanted you, like a spider's web capturing the moonlight in its delicate dew-drenched threads. Until we meet again beneath the gossamer glow of the next moon, I urge you to keep your hearts open, your minds sharp, and your spirits daring. Remember, no star is ever out of reach and no mystery is ever too daunting to seek. This is your humble grandpa turning the last page of our Ebonbound book for now. May your dreams be wistful, my friends. Farewell from Mysteries After Dark, a horror podcast, and tread softly into the night. <laughs>